Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz, the college football podcast we believe you will relate to the most. As always, I'm Vince Miller, joined by my co-host Ashton Overholt. Ashton, week two in the books. Initial thoughts: Did you enjoy? Did you get to watch a lot of football this last weekend? If so, what did you enjoy? I, I tried to as much as I could. Um, yeah, it was in Alaska for uh, over the weekend, so the games were starting. Uh, actually, Oregon and Ohio State started at eight a.m. for me, so. It was uh, an early an early morning, but yeah, no, it was it was some good games. Um, was able to get um, quite a bit of it, um, yeah, watched. So um, it was fascinating. I think there was a lot of I think maybe storylines, kind of week one storylines that were kind of dispelled or maybe disproven. Um, some maybe some things that I thought yeah was going to happen didn't happen didn't turn out for me. Uh, my my picks uh, did not go well. So yeah, uh, hopefully you're not betting on my picks because. Uh, you would have lost some lost some money this week, but it was still fun. Um, it was always great seeing Ohio State lose. Um, I think we both enjoy that, so that was that was worth it. But yeah, overall, overall, it's a great week. Uh, getting ready for week three. Yeah, so I didn't get to watch as much as I would have liked to. I definitely got. I definitely watched most of Oregon, Ohio State. That was kind of the big one early in the day, um, and my picks did pretty well. But I'm with you as far as a lot of the things that I thought were true after one week kind of proved to not be true, or at least it appears that way. Um, so I'll just read over some of the scores from last week, and then we can kind of recap them afterwards. But I'll just quickly read sort of the main ones, I would say. Pitt, 41, Tennessee, 34. Oregon beating Ohio State, 35-28. Notre Dame squeaks by Toledo, 32-29. Texas A&M squeaks by Colorado, 10-7. Iowa beats Iowa State, 27-17. Mississippi State beats NC State 24 to 10, Arkansas 40, Texas 21, Miami 25, Appalachian State 23, Kentucky 35, Missouri 28, Michigan 31, Washington 10, BYU 26, Utah 17, Stanford 42, USC 28. So quite a few upsets and near upsets going on. Uh, Let's start at the top. Pitt, Tennessee, did you get to watch any of this game? Um, was it what you expected? Any thoughts? Um, bits and pieces of it. Um, kind of what I was expecting, honestly. Um, well, with Pitt, you don't really know what you're going to get, but but it wasn't a surprise that Kenny Pickett was out there throwing the ball and, and moving it well. It wasn't a surprise that Tennessee moved the ball well either. Um, it, I think they, they left some points out there, kind of left some points on the field. It, that's Josh Heupel. That's that's kind of what you're going to get maybe with him. Is It's going to be high score. It's going to be fun. I think it's different than what Tennessee has seen in recent years. And it, it was, I, I know they lost. I understand they lost and it's a tough loss. But that is, it's at least promising that the offense is headed in the right direction, even if you can't stop someone. That was my take. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say there's any like major takeaways, but I, I do think if you're a Tennessee fan, you can't come out of that feeling too down on your team. Um, that 34 points. How often has Tennessee scored 34 points in the last couple of years? Um, so there is that. All right, the big one, Oregon, Ohio State. Um, number 12, Oregon comes into Columbus, upsets Ohio State, 35-28. Um, and they got out to a lead, and it just felt like Ohio State was playing catch-up the entire game. Uh, I was very impressed by Oregon, and there's all there's takeaways on both sides of them. Obviously, for Ohio State, the defense, um, Oregon, very good, 
just all around game without their two best players. So, I, yeah, I was very impressed. Tip of the cap to them. What What are your thoughts in this game, Ashton? Okay, so just bear with me here. It's a little bit of a hot take, but I'm going to maybe put most of the blame for this loss. Ohio State should have won this game. This game was it was in the horseshoe. We've been saying that Ohio State probably has the best offense in the country, possibly at least one of the most talented offenses. And for them not, okay, 28 points is not going to win you many football games when you're playing elite, elite competition. We didn't know that Oregon's defense was quite that good. Oregon maybe played a little, maybe a, kind of above their level. But I, I'm going to lay a lot of the blame probably at Ohio State's offense here. Um, I, I'd say it, it's it's hard to expect wins when you're scoring 28 points. C.J. Stroud looked uncomfortable. I, I understand that he threw, he yes, he threw for 484. <laughs> he almost threw for 500 yards, and we're talking about it maybe being a little disappointing. But it... it a lot of his throws, a lot of his yardage came from where receivers were schemed open. Um, especially the touchdown to 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 Garrett Wilson pops pops into mind where they they call it just a kind of a, a quick a quick snap caught Oregon's defense totally napping. The cornerback was actually looking at his wrist when the play was snapped, and Wilson's all alone. There there was some of that stuff. I think that's that's maybe where C.J. Stroud's numbers looked better. But overall, I I didn't really feel that he was going to be able to to continually score points against that Oregon defense and he didn't 28 28 points is not enough to 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 win it's not and I think I the lack of maybe run game from Ohio State they hadn't they did not run the ball well a lot of that's to Oregon's credit but they're missing two top front seven players they need to be able to run the ball more I'm going to lay the blame at Ohio State's offense interesting I I do think that you are right as far as there is blame to be placed at the feet of the offense for sure. Uh, my bigger takeaway was probably the defense just being, I don't know, especially the first half. Oregon just kind of did what they wanted. Oregon ran for over seven yards per carry for the entire game. Ohio State down at 4.1. And it felt like Oregon just really keyed on the run game. Ohio State, man, like before this game, I would have I said they might have the best offensive line in the country. And I suppose there's still a chance that they do. But they had a bunch of like little two-yard runs. And it seemed like they could get two yards about any time they wanted, but they weren't getting anything more than that. They had like one run maybe over 15 yards that I remember. Um, that's just going off of memory. That might not be accurate. But very few good explosive runs at all. Um, Morgan tackled well, uh, filled gaps. And they got push up front too. It was, it was very impressive. Both sides of the ball for that matter. Um, I, I really thought that the Oregon offensive line versus the Ohio State defensive line, that, that battle, for the most part, went to Oregon, uh, which was very impressive. Um, and Anthony Brown, like, he was a lot better than I expected him to be. He wasn't spectacular, but he was making the, the throws. Um, and yeah, I guess I have a lot of scattered thoughts about this, um, both sides of the ball for Ohio State especially. You mentioned C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I mean, big time numbers, and it did seem like he got into a rhythm sort of in the fourth quarter where he was doing pretty well, but we, it's two games in a row now where the first half, Ohio State's offense just looked out of sync, couldn't, couldn't do what they needed to do, really, um, and, and you do wonder what would this offense look like if they didn't have maybe the two best receivers in college football, um, because it does feel like 
those guys are running wide open a lot of the time. And that's really all you need to do is just hit those wide open guys. And even he even had a few throws where he missed them. Um, I think maybe there was one to Jackson Smith and Jigba. It was like a key third down and he just sailed it. Um, so, and I don't want to be too far, too down on him. He is a red shirt freshman quarterback, but it's clear that there's a drop off from Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. Ohio State misses him. Um, so are you concerned about the defense? I know most of the noise is about the defense. You, you said you, you think maybe it was more about the offense, but are you concerned about Ohio State's defense as well? Well, I mean, not not really. That's who that's who their defense is. Like, I think that's who we were silly to expect anything else. They, they kept their whole defensive system last year when it wasn't a great defense last year um, against you know, really elite opponents. They gave up some points. Why are we expecting for that defense to hold Oregon to under 28? You know, suddenly they're supposed to get better. Even and they lost some key components from last year. Like I, I think this this shouldn't really be a surprise that that the that the defense is going to give up 35 points. That's kind of who they are. I mean, you kept them around for another year. You kept Kerry Coombs there. He's for another year. Nothing's going to really going to change. You're not going to magically get better. That's what they are, and and you knew that, and you accepted that as Ohio State, and you accepted the fact that you could probably outscore them, and, and usually you could, and and this time you didn't, that, and that's probably why I'm going to lay the blame at the offense because the defense un, un, they have issues, understandably. All Oregon had to do was run to the left, and it worked. Like any any kind of outside tackle play to the left was ten yards or more. Like it, it every time there was no adjustments made. It worked every time. So the defense was what it was. And you have to score more than 35 points to win. And that's that's the system that you bought into. And I think maybe that's where I would, I'd kind of lay that maybe back at, yeah, either to Ryan Day or the offense for not having changed something because the defense is what it is at this point. So to be clear, basically you have, you have a fairly low view of the defense as do a lot of other people. It's just that you already had that view about them coming into the season where other people thought they had a chance to be elite and clearly they aren't. So is, is that a fair way to summarize? Yeah, no, I, I think so. Like I, I was just shocked that we thought something different was going to happen. Um, you know, they, they lost some really good players, some kind of some key guys from last year and it wasn't even a good defense then. So yeah. And when we're shocked that, you know, Whoa, you know, they didn't hold Oregon to under 28 and to be fair, Oregon just played really well. Like this was a lot of Oregon playing. Well, I think Oregon was, was just the better team. If you play this, you replay this game a couple different 10 times. I say Oregon wins six or seven times. I think Oregon was simply better. Um, and this is a big shakeup though, too. Like I did, this was one of the big ones that I didn't see coming Ohio state, not maybe kind of being a pretender, maybe a little bit. And for, for Oregon to really take that step into the spotlight, this is huge for the Pac-12, possible playoff berth. It's everything's everything's on the table now for the for the Pac-12 in general. And and this was a massive weekend for them just to have one good team, kind of just that bell cow that can go yeah, get you a playoff berth and get into it. Because Oregon has established that. They went on the road and and beat up physically beat up a really good Ohio State team. Very impressive from Oregon this week. Yeah, that's a little bit where I was going to go next. Clearly, Oregon is a playoff contender. In your mind, are they a championship contender, or is this a team we're looking at just to make the playoff, maybe compete a little bit in the first round, but probably going out? Or do you think that their ceiling is actually national title good? 
Ooh, I, I don't want to say national title good. That I don't know. I, I say playoff. Like I think that they can get to a playoff game and probably get thumped by Alabama, but no shame in that. Like that happens to most people. So I no, I think I think they could very easily be one of the four best teams in the country. Um, they are not the best team in the country. And and there's a little drop off. I think there's there's quite a bit of a drop off between the best team in the country and Oregon. Um, no offense to them. I, I don't think I don't know if Anthony Brown can win them a national title. I think. Yeah. And, and the, maybe the lack of re, like receiving threat that they have. They have decent receivers. They do. They're not game breakers like some of the some of the other schools that they're going to be competing for for a title. So maybe that's where I would put the little bit of the blame. I think the defense is legitimate. The defense is as good as anyone else's. I would say um, if they get Thibodeau back, if they get Justin Flo back, which they may not, but if they do, I think they could. Their defense can go with anyone. They're a step below, and and honestly, I I don't I don't know if they can get there. I don't know if they can get there. Yeah. Well, you did pick Oregon to be number six before the season started. Now we'll talk about the team that I picked to be number six. That's my Fighting Irish, um, squeaking by Toledo, thirty-two to twenty-nine. I don't know if you watched this. It was on Peacock, um, and yeah, a lot of people were very frustrated with that. But with Notre Dame, it's pretty clear. Like the main issue, the the first problem, the second problem, and the third problem is the offensive line, um, and the defense has been a bit underwhelming under Marcus Freeman so far, but I, I do think there's there's more hope on, on the defensive side of the ball because they have most of the time they're playing well. They've just, they've had a few lapses and they've given up some big plays. Didn't give up a touchdown to Toledo until the fourth quarter, I believe. But yeah, the offensive line, it, this is bad. Um, you need a baseline level of offensive line play, I believe, to compete for a playoff or a national title. Um, and I did not expect Notre Dame to be an elite offensive line this year at all. I expected them to be solid. Um, and this is not, <laughs> we're not seeing a solid offensive line from them. Did you get to watch any of this game? Do you have different thoughts on it? Um, just bits and pieces. I think I mainly just saw the highlight of Jack Cohn miraculously popping his finger back in and then going and throwing a touchdown 10 seconds later. That That is just freaking awesome. Like how cool, that's a football guy. Like we talk about football yeah. guys, ultimate football guy move. No, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I, I would say the the lack of run game and the, just the 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 lack of offensive line play in particular. It was noticeable against Florida State. Um, just the the pass rush that that Florida State could generate, and they didn't with with no really big names, and and just get pressure just from yeah fairly basic looks. It didn't look like it was no, no exotic blitzes or anything. It's just fairly basic. They could just line up and get pressure, and. Yes, that's that's a huge concern, and that's very surprising, I think, for Notre Dame. They always have. There's always first round NFL talent. It seems like on that on the offensive line, and it it, it is surprising. It's a win though, and sometimes winning on on an off on an off night. You know, I I know you can say that you've done this twice now, but you you've won when when it's it's very much been in doubt. The outcome has very much been in doubt, and survive in advance a little bit. Like you can worry about your style points later. And, and there are some things you have to fix, but there's some things a lot of people have to fix. I, I don't know. Is, is taking a win, is that, is that too simplistic? Is that, is that too easy to apply here, but just be, being happy with the win here? Well, it's obviously the win is great. Like you, you want to win. Um, and it's great to always, it's always better to be making adjustments after you won as opposed to after you lost. The problem is there's cracks in the facade um, for sure. And you, you can see like 
there's there's kind of a pretty tough stretch coming up after the Purdue game. Even Purdue, I'm not 100% convinced Notre Dame will win. Um, but and I'll, 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 I feel a little bit differently about this team after the Toledo game than I did after Florida State. After Florida State, the offensive line struggled, but you could say, well, Florida State has bet pretty good athletes in the defensive line. The Georgia transfer, they had some other guys. The South Carolina transfer, they have some guys there, you know. And it's first game, whatever, it happens. When it happens against Toledo, and Toledo is the best team in the MAC, but they're the best team in the MAC. <laughs> you know, like you should not have that kind of a struggle with Toledo, um, and it was bad. Now, I will say, when they did insert uh, Tyler Buckner, the true freshman quarterback, um, high, highly ranked four-star, um, yeah, everyone thinks he's the future quarterback for Notre Dame, and they inserted him on the, like their own six-yard line, and he promptly led a 94-yard touchdown drive. Looked really good doing it, and just the threat of his legs actually opened up the running game. So they were able to run the ball after he got in the game. Um, the problem is he's not as developed of a passer right now as Jack Cohn is, and so, like, I don't think Jack Cohn has done anything wrong. Like, he has not done anything to lose his job. I think he's a good player. They just can't protect him. And when he's in the game, they also can't run the ball because there's no threat of him keeping it. So, yeah, I don't know. It, at this point, it almost seems like they have to pick an identity. <laughs> you know, do you, do you trust Jack Cohn, the senior quarterback? With And they have good weapons outside this year, good tight end play. Um, and just hope that the line holds up and knowing that you probably won't be able to get any rushing or do you put it in the, in the true freshman's hands, Tyler Buckner, and he's going to make some exciting plays. You're going to be able to run the ball because of the threat of his legs, but you also aren't going to have the senior leadership. You're not going to have the passing game most likely. So I think they'll probably continue to play both, but yeah, I, I said a lot after last week's game, I felt better about Notre Dame ceiling and worse about their floor. I, I feel yet even worse. I think about their floor now, and to me, the ceiling probably is not there. Like you just offensive line is not something you can just like make an adjustment, you know, and and whatever. Like there's a few other guys they could play, but th there's bigger issues there. I think a lot of people point to Jeff Quinn, the offensive line coach. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what the future has there for Notre Dame. But I, I do I do think that this is probably not a top 10 team as currently constructed this year. George Karloftis, the defensive end for Purdue, he might he might have five sacks against you guys next week. Um, just an absolute stud there. No, I I think after playing two close games, I think you're probably due for just like a blowout win. And Purdue maybe feels like a little overvalued. So like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be picking Purdue to beat you, even though it you know they're you're both two and zero. So understandable. I think Karloftis is a he's a stud. He'll have a really good game against you guys. I think I think you'll be fine. Like I really think it. You could, you could very easily after one blowout win suddenly feel way better about everything. So that may be my opinion of it. Yeah, and I do think like if you go down to the starters, Notre Dame versus Purdue. You know, Notre Dame probably has nineteen of the twenty-two starters that are better. It's just that they have David Bell and George Karloftis, and if you can break a few big plays with David Bell and then get maybe a couple strip sacks with Karloftis, like that can change an entire game. So we'll see. Um, Anyway, speaking of other um, top 10 teams that struggled, Texas A&M, pole eking out a win over Colorado. This game was 7-3 to three Colorado in the fourth quarter. Texas A&M pulls it out. Uh, Haynes King injured in the game. Zach Calzada apparently did not look very good. Not going to lie, I did not watch much of this game. Um, 
how concerning is this for you? Like if you're, if you're Texas A&M, are you, is this just like a bump in the road? You get back on the horse and, and Hey, we won. We'll be better next week. Or is this like a sign of things to come for them? No, this is an issue. I, th- I think this is a real problem. The Calzada, like for most of, I understand he, he had to his credit. Well, I'm just want to preface this to his credit. He had two really good drives at the end, including the game winner with, I think three minutes to go. I, I get that. Overall, it did not look good at all. Like this was very, it was a very poor performance. It was not pretty. Haynes King, it looks like he'll be out until it looks probably towards the end of October, possibly November before they get him back, which that misses the Bama game. He would miss the Bama game. A&M is going for Bama this year. Um, this a- A&M is, this is kind of their their year. Like, yeah, I mean, top five ranking. Like this is a really good football team, or at least people think that. So this is a, this is a major blow. Like, yeah, I don't know. Not having depth, especially after Kellen Mond leaving last year, Haynes King stepping in and taking it. I'd be interested to see what Jimbo does. I think what Jimbo Fisher, what he comes up with, what he cooks up, um, because Calzada is now the guy. Like he's he's the guy that you're gonna have to roll with. And I th- I think Jimbo will. I think that it'll be they'll be creative enough to get something going, probably in the run game to help complement, maybe take some pressure off of him. But you're not going to be able to drop back and just throw it 50 times and win football games like you might have been able to do with Haynes King because the arm talent isn't there, I don't believe. So it, it's an issue. Um, I think I think it's a real issue. And I, yeah, you talk about ceilings getting lower. I think AM ceiling really dropped right there. I, I think, yeah, I think you're going to see it come up in even just some other SEC games against maybe like a team like Arkansas, which we'll get to in a bit. It may be an LSU, Ole Miss. These are teams that, that A&M is now going, I think, to really struggle with. And I think in, in large part going to be to Haynes King not playing. Sure. Okay. Iowa, Iowa State. This was an interesting one. We both had this as like a game to watch. And we've, we've professed our love for Matt Campbell on this podcast. Last week, I also did one of my locks of the week was Iowa. They were that's three and a half, I believe. And while I won that because they, they won the game by 10, it, it does kind of feel like I was on the wrong side of it because it does. I do think Iowa State pretty much outplayed them for the most part, but turnovers are the great equalizer and props to Iowa. They did not turn the ball over nearly as much as Iowa State. Um, and yeah, that's all it takes sometimes. So Iowa gets yet another win against Iowa State I, for me, I, I do think that this is leading up to Iowa State probably now being undervalued and Iowa being overvalued. Iowa is like 127th in the country in yards per play on offense, um, but they have two impressive wins. They do have two impressive wins, blowing out Indiana and now beating Iowa State by 10. Do you have other takeaways from this? Am I am I being too down on Iowa here? Should I? Should we just give them total props for beating a, a good top 10 team? Not not total props. No, I okay. It's the same thing with the Indiana game. I don't know how they like they handled Iowa State. Iowa State got a late touchdown to make it close, but that was a 17 point game late into the fourth quarter. They handled Indiana. How are like how are they winning these games? Okay, like if I'd read you the stat lines, you would say there's no chance they're winning. They their their best rusher had 21 carries for 55 yards and one touchdown. 
<laughs> Spencer Petrus, who he's he's okay. He's 11 of 21 for 106 and a touchdown. How are they? Like, I don't understand how they're winning. They're probably going to be a top five team, I think. And actually in the AP poll, they are now. I believe that, that came out. They are a top five team now. It is official. Dear God, they're going to get absolutely embarrassed when they play someone that, like, I love Matt Campbell. Again, we're a Matt Campbell podcast. We've professed our love for him. How you lose to that team, it, that's that's a bad loss. I think there's no other way to put it than that's a very bad loss. I understand Iowa. Iowa does the fundamentals very well. I understand that. Yeah. They have great offensive line play, great defensive line play. I get it. They're opportunistic on defense, and they create turnovers, and they convert those into points. I understand they have no one to threat you on that can that can really hurt you on offense. No one. How, like, how are you giving up 27 points to a team that does not look at all threatening on offense? It blows my mind. And no, I don't, are they this are, are they the best team in the Big Ten? Or are they the second best team in the Big Ten? No one knows. Like, they're a team that you could either see they could either fake it all the way up into like a like a New Year's Six bowl and then get blown out or they could just get like blown out by Ohio state, you know, and like, it would just be like a, like a 40 point, just a drubbing, you know, you could see either one happening. So no, I don't know. They won and in just the most unimpressive way possible. They're, they're in the top five. Yay. Like I don't care. Like, cause I just, I still don't think they're that good. I, I picked them to, to be really good. I picked them to win um, their division and to go and, and play for the conference championship. I, they will, apparently. They're probably going to do that. Just, I was just disappointed. I don't know. The offense is really bad, and that's what I have to say about it. Yeah, it does seem like every year there's a team or two that that just has like two or three more wins than they should based on turnover luck. And it does. And last year, Indiana was one of those teams. And I probably overvalued them in the in the off season, just thinking that hey, like this is such a fun team and Tom Allen is such a great coach. And I think some of that is true. And then, you know, the turnover lot goes the other way. Um, sometimes that's usually what it happens. Turnovers are not predictive from year to year. They're highly erratic, even from game to game. So maybe fade Iowa would be a good principle from here on out. Um, just to see, I don't know, keep your eyes on, on Iowa lines going forward, but yeah, props to them. They're two and zero. they've beaten two ranked teams and they have an incredible defense. So that's not nothing for sure. Like that's, that's something. And in the big 10 West, that might get you pretty far. All right. Next is one. This is another hit that the podcast as a whole has taken. We also were both high on NC state this year, not so high on Mississippi state. Just last week, we almost, we kind of ragged on some of their fans that, that were trashing us on, on YouTube. Um, and then they went out and, and beat, some G5 team by one point. What, Southern Miss? I can't remember who it was. Um, and then they go and beat NC State 24 to 10. In my mind, it makes no sense. What do you What do you take out of this? Did you get to watch any of this? Were you shocked? What, ha what happened? No, I, I did watch it. Um, the opening kickoff was returned, you know, for touchdown. Yeah. Just all of the things that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, and... I no, I have no real answers for this one. This is like one where it's like I've done all my research. I know I'm right. And then the results come out and it's like, you know, two plus two just, you know, equals chicken. Like I, I it doesn't make sense to me. I 
I'm not sure. I we really believed in NC State. We thought they were very. We they were everything that Mississippi State was not. They were disciplined. They were consistent. They yeah. And no, apparently it doesn't matter because <laughs> Mike Leach. Yeah, he comes in and just the the difference that they looked. They almost lost to Louisiana. Louisiana Tech was the team That's you're looking for. Yes, Mississippi State should have lost to Louisiana Tech, week one. Should have lost. They they dodged four different bullets and somehow managed to win that game, and then just come out and just lay the wood to a really good, like NC State team. It it made no sense. It was it's a bad look for the ACC. One of I mean that yeah, it's kind of a common thread maybe this this year. But no, I props to Mississippi State. Like I know we're gonna get take some heat from their fans on the YouTube. I you know I get it. But there, yeah, Leach will come and surprise you when you. I, I should I should have known better than to bet against him. He he's the ultimate con man, and yeah, he he pulled he pulled one over on me. He did so. Props to him. This this could be as simple as just Mike Leach. I feel like once or twice a year in the SEC is just going to like he he has he has talent at Mississippi State. And when his scheme is working, it's working really well. Um, and, and it's not just that. I mean, they scored 24 points, but their defense was the strength of their team a year ago, obviously showed up again in this game. So, yeah. And also maybe we should keep in mind that maybe Dave Dorn is not always the best person to put a lot of faith in. <laughs> um, but yeah, NC State, I'm, I'm, not re- I'm not ready to like write them off for the year or anything, but that was disappointing for sure. All right, another game that was a surprise to a lot of people, and including me. Um, my, as I said, my picks both hit last week. I almost picked Texas. They were a almost a touchdown favorite, and they played Arkansas, and it wasn't close. Arkansas ran them off the field. Forty to twenty-one is the final score. It wasn't that close. Um, Texas scored a touchdown late. Hudson Card looked bad. Um, wow, a- after a. A week one game where we really like we lauded him for looking pretty good like a pretty solid quarterback and he might still be i'm sure he's still he's still a young player i'm not writing him off or anything did not play well against arkansas the defense looked like they just had trouble tackling and i don't know it, it was a mess for them so how much of this did you get to watch what are your thoughts what are your takeaways from this arkansas texas game yeah, no, I watched a fair amount of it. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, actually, Casey Thompson will be starting next yeah. week for Texas. So Hudson, the Hudson Card era was short-lived. I'm sure he, he will get another chance. He's a very talented kid. Not, again, not writing him off. Hate to do that. But yeah, no, there, the, the Texas was just steamrolled in really in every facet. And it started up front. I guess that maybe that's kind yeah. of a theme of what happened. Um, kind of this week in general, all, all across college football is is just getting manhandled up front. Arkansas just did whatever they wanted to do in the run game. They they didn't throw too well. Um, KJ Jefferson was he was functional. I don't think he had a touchdown. He did have a pick, but just running, they they could do literally whatever they want. I think a lot of the credit goes to Kendall Bryles. Um, they're creative in the way they run. Like I mean, it is it's physical and downhill, but it's. It's also in ways that that we don't really see other people do it. Um, you saw their, I think it was their first touchdown. It was just a little kind of like a, but you had a kind of an offset eye actually with the, with the fullback and kind of snuck the fullback and was kind of an off tackle to the other direction. Neat little touchdown run. You just realize like, like, yeah, like this is this is this is Kendall Bryles really in his bag uh, tonight. And and 
I just want to maybe just throw something out there too. Sam Pittman and the job he has done has is that is incredible. Like two years ago, you just go back to two years ago, Arkansas hasn't won an SEC football game in 1000 days. It has been 1000 days before Arkansas has last won over that before they had last won an SEC football game. And the atmosphere that that they, that was in Fayetteville on Saturday night that was incredible. Like just the the life that he has brought back into that program, the fight that he has there. He's maybe not the smartest, you know, wittiest guy, but just the ability just to get players to show up and play for him and coaches like he kept his coaching staff from last year with Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles. They, they, that might be the best um, coordinator tandem in the SEC. That is a loaded. I mean, if you think about how loaded that coaching staff is, that is, that's. I mean, to his credit, that is own. That's to Sam Pittman's credit that he could keep them there when they were in demand, um, and had and had yeah had op, had offers, and he kept everything there. And and they go in and a home game in Fayetteville, top fifteen team comes in, and you just absolutely smoke them. And to think of how different that is from two years ago, massive props. Um, yeah, congratulations to everyone in Arkansas. They deserve it. Um, it's time. I think Arkansas is maybe like a sleeping giant a little bit in the way that they could be. They were good once, um, and they could be again. Yeah, if they could, yeah, hopefully they can parlay this into some some recruiting success. But just they were a, just a total class better than Texas, and it was apparent from the from the kickoff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super down on Texas after this. It's Sark's first year. There's still talent there. Whatever they'll figure out. They'll figure out how to be decent. I think this is more about Arkansas to me. And everything you just said. Yes, that Sam Pittman has done an incredible job at Arkansas. You really have to respect what what they've got going on there. And it's fun to watch. Like you mentioned, KJ Jefferson. You know, like not a great quarterback by anybody's definition. Made a few timely throws, made a few timely runs, and they just figured out this. They scored forty points on Texas. That that's it's just very impressive. Um, the coordinators couldn't have made be- better hires than than what he did. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Arkansas. Uh, my favorite SEC team. I, I grew up in Arkansas for a few years, actually, as a very young child, and have visited many times since. But. So there's a soft spot in my heart for that state and that program. And it's just really cool to see them doing things most people would not have expected out of them. I, I figured they were still a year away. I think I took their season under just on the win totals just because their schedule was so difficult. It's not looking quite as difficult anymore. So props to Arkansas, very impressive. All right, Miami, Florida um, beats Appalachian State 25 to 23. Close game. Um, I just thought I'd mention it because it was two two ranked teams. Or no, sorry, state was not ranked, but close. They're they're one of those teams that you think is borderline. Any takeaways from this game at all? I just kind of impressed with Miami. Um, I think maybe we mentioned that sometimes when you play Alabama week one, Alabama can tend to beat you twice. And pretty much what yeah. that means is just the, the the week following, you're still not ready. Like you're still so beat up. I think that might have been what happened here. I'm also just a, maybe a little bit down on Miami. I think we maybe overvalued them a bit in the preseason. Um, mm-hmm. Derek King is a good quarterback. Not saying that he's not. There's not much else around him though. Um, there's there's really not. It it looks fairly empty just from a, a weapons perspective. 
Appalachian State was very much in that game. It was a late field goal for Miami to take the lead there, and App State had a decent chance at beating them. Um, we're going to preview a little bit maybe next week when we I think Michigan State has a really good chance at beating Miami. Um, but no, I this is maybe a little bit of just a warning sign for, for Manny Diaz. Not, yeah, this is, next week is big. They really need to beat Michigan State and get kind of just, yeah, kind of right the ship maybe, if you will. This was not a very impressive win. Um, and yeah, one that Miami fans are probably quite nervous about. I don't take a whole lot out of this, but you did mention – you know, this is the week after Alabama. I was impressed just from the fast, the aspect of they did beat a good, solid App State team. Um, didn't have a major letdown, maybe some of a letdown after the Alabama game. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see from now on. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot to learn from this game other than just the fact that they were not completely, I don't know, what they, they didn't have a major letdown from Alabama. I never saw this. Miami team as a as an actual top 10 team my opinion of them has not really changed much this this year just because they played Alabama who's miles ahead and they've played App State right after Alabama so yeah this coming week maybe we'll learn a little bit more about Miami all right one of your games of the week was Kentucky Missouri Uh, Missouri was one of your locks of the week Um, tough break there Um, just lost out on that one but yeah impressive win by Kentucky Probably the inside track to third place, if not second place, in the SEC East. What are your thoughts on this game? Well, so mixed, but yes, no. Very frustrated that I didn't. Uh, yeah, my my lock didn't go through for me. Tie game in the fourth quarter. You know, whatever. It's the way it goes. Um, Kentucky has a decent offense. It's functional. Um, it's it's a yeah new coordinator, new quarterback, and it's not bad. Um, they had two fumbles kind of going in. I believe Chris Rodriguez, the running back, great night from him. But he had I think he fumbled I think twice kind of as he's crossing the goal line or about to cross the goal line. And that game because they they could have won by more. Um, they could have put up quite a few more points. Kentucky is they're good. Um, they're they're quite good. I, you say inside track to third. I think they almost have that locked up at this point. Florida's going to take a beating this week when they play Alabama. They will then be second in the East or or tie yeah in a tie for first. They're they're not they're not on Georgia's level. I don't I don't think we're saying that. But could they beat Florida? Like, do they have a chance at beating Florida? Could Kentucky? Yeah, can you know maybe put get your your second win in forty years against the Gators? Maybe. <laughs> Not saying maybe. I think the defense is still pretty good. Uh, Stoops is a, is a, he's done a great job there. I think yeah. I think he doesn't maybe get quite enough recognition for what he's done there. He's made them the model of consistency, and it's just a, a tough out. And at Kentucky, that's hard to do. Um, props to him. This is a big win, a really big win, um, and kind of a program builder. I think. Yeah, very impressive win. Okay, another game that was on my games to watch this last week, and one of my locks was Michigan playing Washington. Um, And this was the one where I actually felt like I was on the right side. Uh, Michigan beating Washington 31 to 10. Washington's offense continues to underwhelm. Michigan ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball. Um, And it wasn't close, not a competitive game at all. Does this say more about Michigan or Washington? Washington to you? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of both. Washington's not a very good football team. You're own two, and you got you got 
kind of hammered by Montana. Uh, you put up seven points and then you, yeah, you go to the big house and lose there too. So um, it's impressive for Michigan other than, I mean, they're two and oh, you know, and Michigan won and Ohio state lost. So, and it all happened on the same day. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, you have to be loving life and, and thinking that, you know, sky's the limit and then it'll come into November and you'll get beat by 30, but that's neither here nor there, but no, it, Hey, I will say Harbaugh is, he wins games. Like he gets a lot of, he gets a lot of flack. He gets, he takes a lot of heat and, and maybe he deserves some of it. He wins football games though. Like he does win football games. And I think they could, nine wins is, is, is very much achievable for them this year, possibly 10. That's a, that's a pretty good year, especially considering kind of what he went in with it. Well, yeah. New quarterback kind of some, some new, new pieces around. He lost his, you know, maybe his best receiver out for the year. 10 wins. Would you take that at Michigan? I think you would. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I do think they, they have a decent chance to be that team this year. Still not like sold on them as like a really great team or anything, but SP plus after week two <laughs> has Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state all tied. Exactly. Um, and Bill Connolly, I think, was having a little bit of a heart attack when his numbers spit that out. Um, because I don't think anybody actually believes that to be the case. Um, like you said, I would probably pick Ohio State to crush Michigan yet again. But just the fact that, that they've played well so far, um, they look competent on both sides of the ball, uh, might have a decent quarterback. Yeah, like you, if you're a Michigan fan, you have to feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah, so... And if you're a Notre Dame fan, you feel kind of sad about that, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, all right, another, another, yet another game that was surprising to me. BYU beats Utah, 26-17. BYU lost a lot from last year. Obviously, Zach Wilson, the big name there, um, but really had a very weak schedule last year, almost went undefeated, just the one loss to Coastal Carolina. Utah was seen by a lot of people as like a Pac-12 South favorite almost and they just straight up lost to BYU like what happened here well I'm not really sure I'm, I'm not willing to throw the yeah the baby out with the bathwater yet with with Utah um I I was one of the one of the people that picked them to win the Pac-12 South another thing that I got some heat for uh online but no I'm gonna stand by it like I I, I still think that they very much can USC should not be any competition this year <laughs> um apparently and I mean, Arizona State's the only other team and, and you're not sure about them. So Utah is going to be fine. I think I think BYU is maybe more impressive than Utah was bad. This is a huge win for BYU, a massive win. You haven't beaten them in a long time. Finally, just to come and win the Holy War, new quarterback. We you, know, you mentioned that that Wilson is now playing for the Jets. Zach Wilson can no longer play, <laughs> but Jaron Hall, the, the, the replacement, his replacement there at BYU, can absolutely fly. Uh, he had a very, he was very impressive. Um, like I said, I am in the, in, yeah, the Pacific time zone. So this game actually starts at a decent time for me and I can watch this, but no, it was I very impressed with BYU. It's a huge win for that program. Um, you know that losing that, when you're in the same state as you know, you're just your most bitter rival and just to continually get pounded by them year after year, finally to come through and win one. I think this is the first time in 10 years that they, that BYU has won massive win um yeah they're now in the top 25 congratulations to BYU yeah very that's about all I have to say as well just big win for them they haven't beaten Utah in a long time congratulations to them I underestimated them first to admit it 
Now our last game to recap. And speaking of teams that we picked to win the Pac-12 South, I picked USC. And oof, that that feels now. Hey, Clay Helton, obviously, as we know, out the door, just got fired. But yeah, this was ugly. The reason he got fired is because Stanford beat them 42 to 28. And this is not a good Stanford team, in my opinion. And yet they just destroyed USC here. <laughs> what is this? Is just is was this just Clay Helton, like the team not playing for him? What happened here? I, I'm not sure. I, I would love to tell you. Um, I was very high on USC this year as well. I didn't have them winning the Pac-12 championship, but I, I nearly did. I almost did. I considered it for a long time. I thought I really thought this was going to be the year. Like I thought that they could kind of break in and Keaton Slovis, veteran quarterback. No one else in the Pac-12 has a really great quarterback situation, you know, aside from maybe maybe Arizona State. So you really felt like, you know, this is like USC still has talent. There's NFL guys like great quarterback. USC is going to be fine. You know, Helton's and then boom, like just to get decimated. This was not close. They got blown out by Stanford, a team who is not very good. Stanford is not very good at football. Do not get this twisted. Stanford got beat up week one by Kansas State. Like, that's the same football team. They got, they oh, got, they did beat make up a quarterback by change. Stanford no. did make a quarterback change. But yeah, it's still, your point stands. Continue. <laughs> right. No, I understand. Tanner Key is now, he's the, he's the starter. He played some against Kansas State. I, no, I, yeah, I understand that maybe it changed a little bit. They're not good, though. This does not make them good. Even their win against USC does not make them good. US, this was a really bad look for USC. Um, it ended up being what what cost uh, Clay Helton his job. Disappointment to me, kind of a little Clay Helton, kind of a closet supporter of Clay Helton over here. But, um, yeah, not anymore. So he's gone. And that's a huge job opening, too. And we'll probably talk about that probably some, yeah, even in other pods, maybe even this offseason. But just who they go for is going to be very interesting. Where their season goes from here is going to be interesting. What does Keaton Slovis do? Who's the interim coach? Um, a lot of questions that I have, yeah, going from there. Dante Williams, their DB coach, has been named their interim coach. Um, probably the best recruiter on staff. Has done a very good job just so far um, at USC. Came over from Oregon not too long ago. So, I don't know. Like, this might actually make them better this year I don't know that that's maybe hard to say and you never know how that's going to look just with that with an interim head coach and all of that but just really quick obviously we're going to talk more about this later but what are some names you're looking for for USC um, who, who do you think they might go after who do you think they should go after two different questions there I guess well, you should go after Lane Kiffin, and you should go to Oxford and get on a plane and try to beg Lane Kiffin to come back, um, is what you should do. Yes, that would be just all-time great television right there, watching Lane Kiffin back in the Pac-12. But, which, okay, not going to happen. That one's out. Too many bridge, too much water under the bridge, or bridges burned, whichever whichever you, you choose. Um, Eric Bieniemy though, is probably the real answer. That's a name that's been kind of thrown out there, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. Um, that name has been floated as well as Luke Fickle, um, Cincinnati, another name that's been floated out there. I, I, I'm going to say I would be kind of disappointed if they hired either one of those two. Um, I think USC, um, I think Joel Klatt, the the, the color guy for, for Fox Sports, he on Twitter just, just commented that you need to swing big. Like, go for the big guys. Make... Ryan Day say no, you know, go after 
Brian Kelly. Sorry, no offense, Notre Dame fans. Go after, go after some big names. Like really go after Dabo. Take your shots. Why not? See, see what happens. And then if not, then you can move down the list a little bit. But I wouldn't settle. Like at USC, you're a, a potential top five job if, if recruiting works out for you. Don't settle there. Um, yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how it plays out and something that we'll need to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think you can. It's not even really controversial to say USC is the only top 10 program on the West Coast that's coming to my mind anyway. Like, there's so much potential there. You mentioned Brian Kelly. Like, if you're Brian Kelly and they ask you to come, like, you have to consider it for at least 12 seconds. Like, you <laughs> you have to. One name I would look for, and obviously we're a Matt Campbell pod, so that would be another name to throw out there. My first phone call, I think, would be to Chris Peterson. Um, and he might just be enjoying retirement too much to even consider it. But he's already had success in the Pac-12. And I don't think he would have to do to be like an ace recruiter at USC. Like in some ways, USC will recruit itself. And like that guy is money. <laughs> I would be immediately terrified as a Notre Dame fan if they got Chris Peterson at USC. I just think to me, that would be the cl uh, a clear slam dunk, not that there's no other slam dunks they could make. Um, but yeah, be very interesting to see what they ended up with. Um, I do think it's USC, like they are going to probably get a fairly big name. Um, and some of those that, some of those that you mentioned would be very interesting. Obviously, Biennami, what he's done with the Chiefs is very impressive. So we'll see going forward. All right, let's preview game three, a uh, week three a little bit. Um, so week three, I'll read off some some games, some of the main games here, and then you give me your five that you you have um, that down as your games to watch. So I'll just read them off. Virginia Tech at West Virginia, Cincinnati at Indiana, Michigan State at Miami, Nebraska at Oklahoma, Purdue at Notre Dame, Georgia Tech at Clemson, Alabama at Florida, South Carolina at Georgia, Virginia at North Carolina, Auburn at Penn State, Tulane at Ole Miss, Arizona State at BYU, Fresno State at UCLA. So that's kind of the, the main list I was looking at to pick my five games from. What are your five? Yeah, so so the five that I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the most, and, and just so we're clear, week three, not great. It's it's not maybe quite, it, definitely not week one, and probably not even really week two, but um, it still has some, some intriguing games, certainly five good games to watch at least. Um, Cincinnati, Indiana um, is going to be one of them for me. I think Cincinnati, they're just, they're a fascinating team, a team that could probably, has a, has a chance at least of going undefeated uh, this year, that, which makes them just a playoff threat. If nothing else, that makes them a playoff threat. They're playing a Big Ten team, and you're not going to be able to see that much. So watch that one. Just see who Cincinnati is, see how well, how well disciplined they are, and yeah, the playmakers they have, because they do have some. I think that, will, that one will be interesting. Michigan State Miami, um, that one's sneaky good. I'm I'm really excited about Michigan State Miami. I think Michigan State seems to have it turned around. They have a running game again that we've talked about in pods past. Um, Kenneth Walker, the, yeah, the transfer in has he's kind of maybe brought back what Michigan State used to have. Maybe like with with Le'Veon Bell, you know, some of those guys. Not to put too much pressure on them, I guess. But no, and I think Miami is a little overrated. So I I view that as a, a, a really competitive game. Um, Alabama Florida is I. 
it will be competitive at least at the kickoff. Um, it will be tied <laughs> at the kickoff. Um, after that, we're not sure. Um, Florida has a quarterback battle, actually. Um, it is it is on there. Emory Jones has not played well. Um, not to toot my own horn, but I told you so. And Anthony Anthony Richardson looks really good. Um, the redshirt freshman, I believe. So that one, that's interesting. That is, that's going to be something to watch. I think it's absolutely must-watch TV. Um, Dan Mullen versus Nick Saban again. Um, it's, I think it's going to be fascinating. The the last two that I have is Auburn Penn State. Really good non-con game. It's in Happy Valley. Um, yeah, just for it's going to be wide out. College game day is going to be there. Um, it's going to be a night game. So it's just it's going to be bonkers. It's, it's SEC Big Ten. Um, Auburn doesn't play Penn State. Auburn, in my lifetime, hasn't been up there, to my knowledge. So it's going to be, yeah, some, a, a matchup you're not used to seeing um, and a must-watch. Yeah, how does Brian Hartson, um, the new coach for Auburn, how's he, how's he going to handle, you know, really big pressure? This is going to be his first big-time pressure game. Um, Auburn's had a, just, a, 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 just really a cakewalk. In, in the first two weeks, and they've looked really good. They've, they've put up a ton of points in the first two weeks against nobodies. Now you're playing Penn State, who has a legitimate defense. Yeah, so there's going to be a storyline there one way or the other, either James Franklin with a huge win um, and kind of really sets Penn State up as kind of a, a contender in, in the Big Ten, or Brian Harson really, yeah, pulls an upset and, and really establishes him, himself as kind of the, the new young gun in the SEC. So one of those two will happen, something that we'll need to keep an eye on. Um, the last one I have is Arizona State and BYU. Um, I think BYU is, yeah, they're ranked now. They're number 23, Arizona State at 19. Yeah, just kind of two teams that are, they're, they're a couple of tiers down maybe, but they're, a win here could really vault them up a couple of notches kind of into the, yeah, into the, kind of the, that, that sneaky good category. I think both of these teams have, the, have a, uh, an ability to be sneaky good. Um, just see, see if BYU's win against Utah was a fluke. Um, and to see how good Arizona State is, I think that's um, I think that's going to be a really good game. Again, it'll be a late game, great for me out here in the pack in the Pacific time zone. So, yeah, those are my five this week, and um, there there there's a few other ones, but those are the five that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, we have almost perfect overlap. Uh, one difference for me, instead of the Michigan State Miami game, which I am interested in for sure. Uh, I put down Tulane at Ole Miss. I just feel like that could be a pretty exciting game after what we saw Michael Pratt do against uh, Oklahoma. Maybe that could be a shootout there. So let's just let's just break these games down. Cincinnati and Indiana, our first one. Obviously, Cincinnati's going to need this one for playoff consideration. Um, Indiana, I wouldn't say necessarily needs it for their goals to be met, but it would be nice for sure, just as a statement win for them um, after getting blown out in week one against Iowa. So Cincinnati, a three and a half point favorite. What are you looking for here? Yeah, no, I, I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. Um, I, I know you're an Indiana fan, at least partially, and I do apologize. Michael Penix hasn't looked as good as he has um, last year. He, he pre-injury, of course, I know he's going through an injury, and hopefully he does shake some rust off and get back to his former self. To this point, he hasn't yet. And this Cincinnati team, especially their defense, is salty. They are salty on defense. I I don't see this being very close. I, there are some people. I think the the spread is only is Cincinnati at three and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I will be taking that is going to be in fact one of my locks of the week. Um, I think Fickle has done a really good job there. Um, I I really like Desmond Ritter, the quarterback there. I, I think he's a he's a playmaker. Um, he distributes the ball pretty well. So 
Yeah, for me, this isn't close. I think that they could get, win by two, possibly even three scores. Um, yeah, it would be one of my locks of the week. Hate to say that to an Indiana fan, though. No, that's that's understandable. Cincinnati is also one of my locks of the week. Um, and I do wonder, like, maybe Vegas just hasn't quite caught up to Indiana. Uh, I do feel like – I think we both kind of feel like maybe last year they were just – they overperformed a bit. Um, and – Maybe we're now seeing that this is maybe more of like a seven and five type of team than like a nine and three type of team. Um, and Cincinnati, I think, is is a legit team. They're very good. They've done well so far this year. I don't know if they're like a playoff good team, but they're very they're they're in the next tier. So yeah, to me, I just feel like Cincinnati's better, um, just flat out better. And three and a half, I don't love that number because they can win by a field goal and you lose your bet. But I do think this is going to be more than a field goal game. Uh, are there any particular matchups or anything that you're looking for in this game? I, I would say probably the secondary of Cincinnati, which is they, they have some legitimate NFL talent there um, in the secondary for Cincinnati against against Penix. You know, can he start to distribute the ball and take deep shots like he did last year? We haven't seen it yet. Um, it would be great if we, I would love to see him get back to that level again. Great quarterback play is is good for all of us, including the viewers. So yeah, I hope he does. I, I don't think he will though. I think just top to bottom, I think that whole unit, the whole defensive unit for Cincinnati is is very, very good. And I don't, I don't, I don't see Indiana scoring three or four touchdowns on him. I, I really don't. I think they will be able to keep him down to, you know, to 14 to 17 points. Um, and, and come out with a fairly easy win. All right. Our next game is Michigan State at Miami. Uh, Miami, a six and a half point favorite last I checked. Uh, obviously, contrast of styles and just more than just styles of play, but just styles of programs. Um, so you've already mentioned this like fun matchup here. What, what are you looking for in this game? Can Derek King like yeah, what is, what does he have against it? This is a team that, that Miami is better than. Miami is more talented than Michigan State. That that's a that that is a fact. That is not debatable currently. But can can they can they just can they settle down and can I think they're maybe in their own head a little bit. I think the game against Alabama wrecked them maybe more than we believe. Um, I I think that that could have really actually messed up their whole season. I, I don't think they at all saw that game going that way um, week one against Alabama. And just to get absolutely brutalized like that in the first 15 minutes, I think it really shook their confidence. I don't see them getting back on the right track um, this week either. Uh, Michigan State is another one of my locks. Um, Kenneth Walker has played very well for um, the running back for Michigan State, the transfer in. He's averaging currently 10 yards a carry. Miami's favored by six and a half. That's almost a full touchdown. That feels wildly high. That like I would almost say the wrong team is favored. I'm not going to go quite that far. I and I would I would all I would say that this is more of a pick'em game, something closer to that. Maybe two two points to a pick'em game. Six and a half. That feels wildly high. I'm going to take Michigan State and hopefully get back on the winning track this week. Uh, rough week for me last week, but yeah, I'm I'm I understand. I'm relying on a Big Ten team. <laughs> heaven help me i really think that this is a this is um yeah i think i think this is vegas maybe making a mistake here and not recognizing that 
Um, I think Miami's Miami's um, they're a, they're a boxer that really took a big a big punch, and right now they're just kind of wandering around the 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 ring right now. So Michigan State, I think, um, in a win this week. Yeah, this one is in, is a total stay away for me personally. I I don't I feel like I have no idea what to expect in this game. Um, I could see Miami blowing them out. I could see it being close. I could see Michigan State winning a, a close game, or even blowing them out. Who knows? So. This, this will be fun to watch just because I have no idea what's going to happen. And I don't have, I don't have a lock on this. So I get to just see you squirm one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with kind of your, most of what you, what you said there. It's, it's been good to see Michigan state um, have some life in the running game and some stuff like that. Still have a good defense. So good matchup here for sure. Um, next Alabama at Florida. So Bama 15 and a half to 16 and a half point favorite, depending where you look, you already mentioned Emory Jones and Anthony, Anthony Richardson, bit of a quarterback battle there. Do you expect them to do anything other than mostly play Emory Jones? Um, and also related, do you think there's any reason to think Florida could keep this close? Not if they play Emory Jones. No, <laughs> I, I don't think they will. I, Anthony Richardson is clearly the better quarterback. Like, I don't understand what, I understand Dan Mullen's a little bit stubborn. Okay, I'm a Georgia fan and Florida is my arch rival. Like I understand, I, I know about Dan Mullen at least a bit. Emory Jones is kind of his guy. Like he's kind of sticking with him, but Anthony Richardson is clearly the better quarterback to anyone that has watched those play this year. Like I, I, I'm not sure why it's still a competition. I, I don't understand it. I never really saw all the hype with Emory Jones. He was a sneaky Heisman contender two games ago. Two games ago, Emory Jones was kind of a, he was kind of a trendy Heisman pick. Mm-hmm. And he, no, he hasn't been impressive. He's, he's the, the interceptions. It's not, it's not the amount of interceptions. It's that they're just bad. Like he throws them and it's, it's into triple coverage. There's got like, it's just a very dumb throw. It's clearly been made up ahead of time. That that's where he's going to go with the ball. And, you know, three defenders or none, he's still going to throw it there. And yeah, and he, it's going it's to lead to interceptions. So he's not as as much of a, a, of a playmaker in the running, running aspect. Richardson does that quite well too. So if, if Florida goes and starts Anthony Richardson, I'm interested. I am very interested. If they start Emory Jones, I I think he'll get played right off the field by the opposing quarterback, Bryce Young, who I think will have a great day again. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't see how Florida does it as currently as they are currently. So hopefully hopefully they were kind of holding something in reserve and we'll get to see it this week. Um, they're going to need to be, or otherwise they're going to be in trouble on Saturday. So I know this is hard for you to process, but I want to put you in Dan Mullen's shoes. Um, as a, you're, you're in charge of Florida now. All right. Do you go ahead and play Anthony Richards and hoping for a miracle and a win? Or do you play Emory Jones knowing that he's probably going to get destroyed? And then you have clear reason to play the young guy after the following week, knowing that you're most likely going to lose to Alabama regardless. And if you play Anthony Richardson, he's probably not going to have a great time because he's playing Alabama and you could wreck some of his confidence. I understand that point, but haven't, I mean, if you are the coach, you've watched these guys practice all spring. 
I mean, surely, right? This can't have have just happened, you know, in the last two games where suddenly Emory Jones can't make a read. Like, you, do you understand my point, though? Like, I believe that that Richardson is is better anyway and should have been starting two games ago. I understand that now is not a great time just to throw him in as his first start and feed him to the Lions, really. Like, I, I understand that. And no, Emory Jones probably should be the starter. He probably will be the starter um, on, on Saturday. Not disputing that. I'm saying that you maybe made the wrong mistake this spring or in this summer, in this fall, and two games ago when you started Emory Jones as your season day, day one starter um, for, for your year. Um, I think, I think they, they started the wrong guy. Um, but to be fair, it's what it, it would be a really good time to switch him after the Alabama game. So Emory Jones goes and gets destroyed against Alabama, looks bad. And then you go to Anthony Richardson and possibly turn your season around after that, which you still could could do. Maybe that's the play. Um, maybe that has kind of always been the play. Um, play Emory Jones and, and kind of let people see that this is not working and then make the switch. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's his maybe that's his thought. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how they're gonna play that. And there's there's two options there, and depending who you talk to, it's whatever. One or the other is smarter than the other one. Um, but I don't think this game is going to be close, regardless of what happens with the quarterbacks. Um, I, Alabama is my second lock of the week after Cincinnati. So I'm taking Alabama minus 15 and a half. Um, yeah, I, I see that there, there would be a way for Florida to keep this closer than that, just because it is Dan Mullen and he does know how to coach offense. And maybe one of the quarterbacks gets hot, but I, I still feel pretty comfortable with this. I, I do think that, Alabama didn't play as well as they should have last week against Mercer. And I sort of think maybe there, some of that was a little bit, I think Saban likes that. I like, I think he likes when his team plays a little bit down against an, a completely overmatched opponent. Uh, I'm guessing this last week, the, you know, or this, this week, it, the practices are probably not super fun. Um, and I do think Alabama is going to be ready to just come out and kick some tail this this coming Saturday. So I, I do have Alabama covering that spread. I know this isn't one of your locks. Which side of this would you, would you be on if you had to pick one? Okay, so I'm seeing 14 and a half. I, I know you probably have 15 and a half. I have Alabama getting 14 and a half, which take it. is, we'll is even better, right? That's, I'd say, I, I'd probably take Alabama. My first thought is take to, is to take Alabama because I think they're just a wagon this year. Like for no other reason, I think Alabama's that much better. Um, so yeah, I, I would be on the Alabama side. I'm just staying away from it because an SEC game against Dan Mullen, like Dan Mullen for all the knocks that, I, and I dislike him. Like, I just dislike him as a, as a, as a person, but he's a good football coach. Like there, Florida will be, I think that there is a possibility that they keep this close. I'm just going to say that there's a possibility sure. that they keep this close. I don't think they will. That's why I didn't have it in one of my locks is. No, I, Alabama is the right side to be on. Um, would be shocked if if it doesn't happen, but it is the SEC, and this is a huge, this is a big matchup. And, and Florida's going to come out. This is a home game for Florida. They're going to come out firing, and they're going to empty the kitchen sink at Alabama. And let's, yeah, let's see what happens. Sure. Okay. Now, probably the the biggest game of the weekend, as far as maybe maybe a little closely more closely matched teams, Auburn at Penn State. Uh, you mentioned this is not like a typical matchup, an SEC team going up into the North for a game like this. This is something pretty cool. And this is one thing that I love about non-conference scheduling. Um, I love when teams like this play other big name teams and it's just fun. 
My main question for this game, you mentioned the offense for Auburn has put up big points. Bo Nix has looked good against bad teams. My question is, can Bo Nix play well against a great defense? We haven't really seen it so far in his career, but he is a junior now. Like maybe, maybe he's magically flipped a switch. Penn State a six point favorite against Auburn. What what are you looking for in this game? Well, I th- I think you hit it exactly right, Bo Nix. Like how much how much of a difference is it to have Brian Hartson there? Bo Nix has looked comfortable. He's looked he's been efficient. It's not he hasn't thrown many incompletions. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. I know it's against bad competition, but I mean, it's still Bo Nix. Like Bo Nix is just the <laughs> ultimate dice roll when he gets the snap, you know. So to see him just kind of in control, he's maybe composed. Composed might be the word that you're looking for there. And I think that's really impressive. I think if he can go to Happy Valley with that crowd and keep his composure and play well, Auburn has the talent to stick with Penn State. There is no question. Auburn has players to play with them. I think if they can get some, a, a even just a solid quarterback performance from Bo Nix, this is a football game. This is absolutely a football game. I, I know it's a great defense that are playing against, but Bo Nix has talent. There is talent there. If they can keep their composure with that crowd, with the just the atmosphere, with a first-time head coach, if they keep their composure, Auburn has a chance. We'll see if they do or not. Yeah, this is another game where I'm, I'm really interested in it because I feel like I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, we, we saw Penn State with a great win against Wisconsin. But even in that game, like their offense was struggling the vast majority of the game. Not sure how good they are. Obviously, they put up points against Ball State last week. But again, how much can you learn from that? You can learn a little bit of something from every game, but less from games like that. So to me, this is like this is a big game for both teams, I think. Maybe not necessarily for like a national title or playoff implications, but just what are we going to how are we going to view these teams going forward? This is, a, this is a big game. Definitely looking forward to this one. Okay, so another game I had on my list that you did not, Tulane at Ole Miss. Uh, Tulane a 14 or 14 and a half point underdog in this game. Obviously they, they almost beat Oklahoma in week one. And I think most of us would probably say Ole Miss is not as good as Oklahoma. Um, so I, I considered making Tulane one of my locks, but I also could see this. I mean, Ole Miss can put up points in bunches. They could they could make this a three-touchdown game pretty easily. To me, this comes down to just watching these quarterbacks, Michael Pratt and Matt Corral, and then, of course, the offenses at large. I, I'm curious to see what these teams look like because I think we can learn something about both teams here. Tulane, I think, is one of those one of those teams that could contend for the group of five spot in the – in the New Year Six, um, and Ole Miss, like depending what they look like, like there's some there's an opening in, in the big in the SEC West. Uh, obviously, Alabama is going to win it. Second place, kind of up for grabs. Uh, we've we've talked about Arkansas. We like them a lot. Ole Miss is another team that shoot. Why not them? Why not Ole Miss? Um, so I'm very interested to see you know see what 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 Ole Miss looks like here. See if their defense can get some stops. They've they've played better this year. So far than they, than they did last year. Last year, obviously, that was their weakness. So, yeah, I guess I'm curious just to see what these teams look like because I think I do think these are two good teams. 
I think they have really good quarterbacks. Like I think the quarterback play overall is going to be spectacular. Um, Pratt, when he played against Oklahoma there in Norman, was just dealing and kind of kind of kept them in, kind of made a comeback and had a chance really to win the game. Stopped on a yeah fourth and long and was only I think a yard short maybe of of that first down, which would have made things really spicy after that. But no, I, this is this is a fun one. I think I yeah no I didn't have it, but. Ole Miss is just much watch, must watch TV every week anyway because you just do not know what's going to happen. They're going to score a lot of points, um, and and they may give up a lot. You're not sure. So, no, I think this could be a fairly competitive game. I I do think Ole Miss probably pulls away. I, I would say probably take the over. Um, with with Ole Miss, I would probably have them going over 14 points. Probably maybe more like 20 points as margin of victory for Ole Miss. But again, who knows? I mean, this is a two lane or a two lane team that should have beat Oklahoma. So. No, it's it's a. I think watching great quarterback battles is interesting. Like just seeing two quarterbacks just go out against each other and just deal um, consistently, drive after drive, is a lot of fun to watch. I think this will be probably what we'll see in this game. Yeah, I'm excited for it for sure. Um, and I'm trying to find the over under for this game. Uh, I'm not finding it right now. That's anyway. Might be a game to just to take the over for the total points scored. Um, just because it's 76 it's at 76 76 nice all right so our last game that's on both of our lists another a ranked matchup actually arizona state at byu obviously byu the impressive win of the holy war last week arizona state um another one of those solid pac-12 south teams that could have a chance to win the division and with utah and usc slipping last week like they have a big opportunity here i feel like to, to kind of take the lead here in this race um, obviously this this game doesn't have a direct implication in the Pac-12 South, but they can take the, I feel like they can kind of become the favorite with a win here. Um, what Arizona State three and a half to four point favorite. I don't know, like, I, I feel like a week ago, we'd have thought that was an easy take Arizona State and the points. What do you think now after seeing BYU beat Utah? Well, I no, I, I really like BYU. I would just maybe be concerned that this would just be a letdown game um, yeah. after just, I mean, really beating up on your biggest rival, first win in the decade, you know, it's the holy war. It's everything that 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 a BYU fan would live for is, you know, is a, is a win over Utah. And then next week to have to come out and go against still a, a really solid team in Arizona State, I think it's going to be hard for them. Um, I, I'm rooting for BYU. I hope BYU wins. Um, I think it's just this this will be a true test of just yeah coaching staff I think and then just mental toughness like how can you prepare for another big matchup after your biggest win in the last decade probably like how are you ready like yeah how how ready can they be it's a home game for BYU which helps um, it's 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 one of the rare ones actually where the spread and ESPN's um, FPI disagree so the FBI would actually favor BYU, which again, that thing's kind of a sham anyway, maybe, but Vegas, Vegas does like Arizona state by yeah, three and a half. I haven't seen four, but I have seen three and a half. So it's going to be an interesting game, late game. Yeah. Um, at pack 12 after dark, it's going to be on ESPN. Um, must watch. Why not? What else do you have to do on a Saturday night? You know? Sure. Okay. So that's kind of the upcoming week. And just to recap our locks of the week, I have Cincinnati minus 3.5, Alabama minus 14.5, Ashton, you have also Cincinnati minus 3.5, and, and Michigan State uh, plus 6.5. So we'll see if we can have a good week here. Um, for the year, we're, a, we're at 500 even combined. So 
we'll see where that goes. Maybe we can make some people some money this week, but we are not, as always, we are not responsible for you losing money. Um, so you're supposed to relate to us. You're not supposed to take us as, as the, the ultimate authority in all things college football, although we are working to become that. Uh, so any more, any more thoughts for this coming week? Anything that you're looking forward to specifically? I'm quarterback play. I'm ready to see some quarterback play. I think it'll be fun. I'm a Georgia fan. Uh, we have a game against South Carolina. I think that'll be interesting. Just a small side note. I think both Georgia and Clemson's offenses took a lot of heat last week just for not playing well. I think you saw really both of them come out and put up a lot of points mm -hmm. and just in general look good against bad opponents. I understand. But Georgia played UAB, which is their well-coached team. Like, I under, yeah, I understand that, you know, they didn't even have a program a couple of years ago and their football got canceled, but they have a very well-coached team and respected very well in, in college football circles. And to come out and to be impressive like that, I think maybe, yeah, not to be too much of a homer here, but that very, it showed very well for both programs that both, but both teams are going to be just fine, um, especially when they don't have to play, yeah, a defense that's just otherworldly, like, like they went up against when they played each other. So, just a small side note that's free um but yeah feel I, I would feel pretty good if i was georgia or clemson coming out of that week and quick aside kind of related to what you just said you reminded me uab you mentioned um georgia crushed uab in week one uab beat jacksonville state 31 to 0. you know where i'm going with this jacksonville yeah. state then beats florida state florida state's first ever loss to a fcs program what are your thoughts on Florida State after an impressive week one loss to Notre Dame? But like, <laughs> like what, what, what? You saw the Hail Mary. Did you watch the last play? Have you yeah. seen the last what, play? What was that defense? Oh my goodness. It, the only thing that they could have done really, like that was the only, that was their only play. Like how are all the corners and the safeties were tight, were up within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage have no answer for it have no answer at all like inexcusable that's inexcusable just a walk off on the last play of the game like that i understand it's a close game that should never have been a close game you're way more talented than jacksonville state is just the coaches fell asleep that you have to put that on coaching i think like that has to be an extremely bad look for a staff that really looked like they kind of had it on the right track again. You know, I understand they lost week one to Notre Dame, but it looked good and the atmosphere was there and uh, just a huge, just a humiliating home loss like that um, really leaves you scratching your head about about the coaching staff there, I think. Yeah, it may have been kind of a major, just a, like a letdown factor from the week one high, um, all that emotion in week one. Um, so. I guess that's kind of what my main takeaway is from it. And I don't want to focus too much on the last play. Obviously, I think we've talked about this. We both hate prevent defense when you're up by a score with three minutes left, you know, like that situation where coaches do it all the time and you just give up bang, 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 bang. With six seconds left, that is the time to play prevent defense and you don't do it. And he kind of even defended it after the game just bizarre. I don't know. So obviously there's a whole lot more in, that goes into a game like that than just the last play of the game. But yeah, that, I just thought I should get that off my chest. That was terrible. Um, 
Anything else before we wrap up this week? Nope, not really. I'm back um, back in Idaho for this week. So yeah, hoping to to get some food made this Saturday. Um, just have a have a kind of a settled down week. Hope to watch a little bit more college football than I was able to last week. So um, hey, we we live for these days uh, as college football fans. We live for the just the college football Saturday, just that feel in the air. And it's one of 12 regular season weeks. Um, and just enjoy it. I, I love all of them. So yeah, it's, it's one of 12 regular season, just, just perfect Saturdays. Um, and, and treat it as such. Enjoy this Saturday. Absolutely. I'm with you. I also am looking forward to more football this, this weekend that I can actually watch than last weekend. Um, and yeah, like we were both surprised by quite a few things last Saturday. That's one of the great things about college football is when you have outcomes just don't make any sense, but that happens in college football and that's the sport we love. So for Ashton, I'm Vince. Thank you guys for everything you do. Subscribe, tell your friends, all of that good stuff. And yeah, have a great week and God bless.